Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And kids, follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. Plus, you can always listen to all of our episodes, old and new, on the Broadway Podcast Network, iTunes, and Spotify. Today's guest is one of the most recognizable faces in film and television, whose talents have added iconic moments to such television shows as Spin City, Scrubs, Cougar Town, and of course, the cinematic masterpiece, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. But... Today, we are gleefully exploring his on-stage credits, which include originating the role of Danny in Broadway's Grease, uh, winning a Tony Award for the Robert Bygroom, appearing in all three performances of Soon, and dazzling audiences with his debonair air in Nick and Nora. To tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Ellis Rabb, Lois Nettleton, Peter Allen, Nell Carter, Arthur Lawrence, and so many more, here is Golden Globe winner himself, Mr. Barry Bostwick. Barry, how are you today? I am, uh, hello, I'm, I'm doing fine. Did you just hear my computer go ding? No, we, we did not hear it go to ding to ding Okay, well, here, I'm going to start again then. Oh, hi, hi, guys. I'm fine. <laughs> it's, um, it's so good to have you here. Now, Mr. Bostwick, I think you are one of our first guests um, that has circus training, being involved with the circus. How did you get involved with Ringling Brothers? Oh, well, <clears throat> you know, it's a, there's, there's two parts to that. Great. I went, to, I went to NYU School of the Arts um, in 67, and Hubby Burgess, who was a, a, he was a, 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 worked at uh, Ringling Brothers years ago, and then he taught circus arts for the actor at Juilliard and at NYU. And, um, and so I studied with him at NYU for the year of, was there and then he started a circus arts institute down on the bowery uh just about three blocks below from where i lived and he got about uh, eight or ten of his ex-students and we would go out into the park um on the weekends and do a, a little improvised show with juggling and this and that and we'd uh, <laughs> we called ourselves cerco dell'arte uh and um I, I don't know what that means. I, I think gonna... it's the art, the art of circus or something. And uh, and then uh, and um, the my fondest memory of all of that with him was at this at this little storefront. I remember one night we got the mats out and we had a little black and white uh, TV and we set up in the corner and um, we watched uh, we watched Armstrong come down out of the capsule and walk on the moon. Oh, and wow. It was, it was fascinating. Uh, and to, to be with those people, uh, and, uh, it's just one of those memories. But the point is, is that I learned how to juggle and do a bunch of walking on balls and all that kind of stuff with Hovey. And, um, and then when it came time, uh, years later, they were, they were putting together a rock and roll, uh, group sort of like the monkeys and they wanted to call them the clowns with a capital <laughs> k and it was um it was being put together by ringling brothers barnum and bailey uh which had nothing to do with my background and nothing to do with hubby burgess or anybody it's yeah. just that i had these certain skills and um they cast five of us in this group and we were going to be the hosts of a tv show 
uh, like where they would bring on uh, an hour special where they would bring on uh, circus acts and stars. And um, it, it wasn't it wasn't like Circus of the Stars where the stars did circus acts. It was just that they brought on their circus people and then they would bring on a, a star or two. And we did a pilot with Sammy Davis Jr. Oh. Uh, and it was never it was never picked up. And in fact, I didn't do the pilot, even though I was the lead singer in the group, because I was doing a show off Broadway called Colette with uh, Zoe Caldwell. And they wouldn't let me out for the week to go do this, those bastards. <laughs> so I could actually make some money rather than, uh, you know, working at the Ellen Stewart Theater for $7.50 a night. Um, but uh, so they cast somebody else to play my part. And thank God all the characters had these sort of clown makeups on sort of uh, I, I played Bo, Bo, who was the hip guy, you know, the hip, of course, fr fringy kind of, uh, uh, of guy. But uh, we had a couple we had an album. Um, Lady and, Love, I think, made it like did pretty well. I think I read somewhere. Uh, that Lady that Love song. did great. Oh, yeah. my God. I think it was uh, what was it? 37 with a bullet going down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jeff Berry, who had um, uh, who produced the album. Um, uh, had done an awful lot of this bubblegum stuff, and he was yeah. he was very big in all that. And um, uh, he did the Archies, and uh, so uh, we thought we were going to have a little run with all this. But after the show wasn't picked up, um, the and after our first album, and after the bullet was going down, uh, we disbanded. But um, there was actually some pretty good music on that album, and I wish you'd play the whole album right now. <laughs> but Lady Love is sort of a cool song, and uh, um, it was a it, it it was a fun it was a fun time for the six months or however long it, it was that we did it. And um, so, do you see the combination between Hubby Burgess, who was this great uh, teacher? And then I, I, it carried over into um, uh, into Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, and uh, one of the wow. exciting things. One of the exciting things about Ringling Brothers is that we went out and did a short tour uh, for the the show, and we got to um, hang around when they were uh, auditioning acts for for the circus and uh, to watch to watch these spectacular athletes uh, do what they were were doing and um, and to just sort of see be part of the you know the whole that the whole thing that's know? really yeah. fantastic now new york is a far way from california how did you discover theater and performing when you were growing up in california oh well that's interesting i didn't mm. i didn't i mean i went to uh, maybe uh, High school, you know, I started doing plays in high school once I realized that that's where all the pretty girls were on campus. Right. We've heard and, that many times. Oh, yes. God, yeah. And, you know, and then and my girlfriend, who was at the time a dancer, I um, uh, would be her dance partner for her little local shows. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, one of the and then I had another girlfriend who was uh, in a, a community theater uh, somewhere in Walnut Creek. Uh, and I remember I drove a good two hours to get to her uh, to do um, toy, Babes in Toyland, where I played uh, the, the bad guy. I forget his name, whoever. The, all I remember is that halfway through one of the performances, my mustache fell off. And <laughs> my, it was my first it was my first uh, attempt at improvisation or uh, just like trying to hold my mustache on while I was speaking, mm. but, uh, it was, uh, she was very pretty. So it was worth the drive. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, after high school, I, I did our, uh, Hill Barn theater, which is our local, uh, community theater. I did little Mary sunshine and I wore way too much makeup and overacted like crazy, but that's mm -hmm. what you do then. Okay. How, then did you, uh, how did you know you could sing? Uh, oh, I was uh, I, I had different groups in high school where we were uh, folk singing groups, you know, yeah. and um, 
uh, I had one group, uh, a guy named Ron Jefferson and I, and we called ourselves Ron and Barry. And uh, believe me, I wanted to call it Barry and Ron, but it just didn't seem to, <laughs> it didn't seem to scan the same way as Ron and Barry. Uh, and, and we did a, we did a local talent show in San Francisco, um, uh, and uh, we were beat uh, on the air uh, and we were beat by an accordion player uh, I'll, oh. and I'll never f- forgive them. Uh, <clears throat> but we were singing, you know, we were singing folk music. And then I had a couple of gals I sang with in high school singing folk music and playing the guitar. It's what you did, you know, mm. back then you had, yeah. you did folk music. You didn't do punk rock or anything. You just did, uh, you know, um, uh, like anything Peter. you know, uh, anything that you would uh, sing uh, at, at a bonfire around the beach and and try to get try to pick up girls. Did you, right. make, you see? There's a there's a theme to yeah, all. I of see it. I see a yeah. theme. I see a theme. Yeah. Did you yeah. major in acting at at school in college? What I did was I, I went to college in San Diego, right. at Cal Western University. Uh, it's a small, it was a small um, Methodist liberal arts college because it was the only other, I, I, I got accepted to two colleges. I was a C, I was a, a major C student throughout high school. Same. And I got, uh, yeah, I got uh, accepted to a, a college in um, uh, the, the cold Northeast, somewhere up by Chicago. And then I was accepted at this little college in San Diego. And I thought, well, it's warmer and I'll go to there. And uh, and also the uh, dormitories were on cliffs overlooking the ocean, oh. and uh, it was a it was it was a beautiful campus. And uh, after my third year there, uh, the the school was bought by United States International University, and they started a uh, an acting program where you actually got a bachelor of fine arts in acting. They started like a professional theater program because. Pasadena Playhouse had closed down, and a lot of their a lot of their um, teachers came down uh, and started this program at uh, USIU. <clears throat> and so I actually uh, graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts, specifically in acting. And then I went to NYU, and then I went to New York to NYU to work on my master's at, uh, and uh, I lasted one year there. Um, but they still think I graduated, uh, <laughs> which I didn't. And, Amazing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's just for fundraising. You know, they wouldn't. Absolutely. So I, yeah, no, I didn't. I I was there one year, but then I started working um, in. You know, I actually had a real job. Got some real jobs, and uh, for that year that I was at NYU, I uh, to make a little extra money, I took. Uh, coats at Puerto Rican uh, weddings uptown <laughs> and I sold and, and I sold programs and refreshments at the Lyceum Theater uh, because I had been a, a journeyman uh, with the uh, APA Phoenix uh, Ellis Rabs group yeah I had uh, I had auditioned originally when I was in California uh, to be a background extra in their production of War and Peace which was at the Greek theater. Uh, and uh, they hired me to come in and be a flag carrier, which I did. This is when I was still in college. Uh, and and then when I, uh, at, at the end of that summer, they said, does anybody want to audition for the company? And uh, I said, yeah, I'll audition for the company, even though I had, I think I still had a year left of college. And uh, uh, they accepted me and they said, well, you want to be a journeyman in the APA Phoenix? And I said, well, I got to finish school first. And then I said, I wanted to come to NYU. And Ellis, uh, who was one of my mentors because he liked me and he thought I was talented for some reason. And he said, well, let me talk to the people at APA and we'll see how we can work this out. And they actually paid for my plane ticket to come to NYU for that year that I wasn't with them other than selling programs in the lobby. But it gave me a chance to stand in the back of the theater every night and watch Helen Hayes and watch these wonderful actors night after night after night. So it was, a, it was an amazing uh, incubation process for me as an actor yeah. who was studying in New York, which is uh, where I think you, you should study. 
So let's talk about Ellis Rab for a little bit. What was your relationship like with him, and what are some of the lessons that he taught you that you still take with you today? I think I think one of the the main uh, things he said was just don't do anything, just stand there and don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he said you're you are enough. Uh, you don't need to you don't need to act. Uh, I I eventually uh, was in the production of Hamlet uh, uh, at the Lyceum where he played Hamlet and uh, one of the great reviewers called it Spamlet. Um, and uh, it, well, I don't think it was a very good show, but he played Hamlet. <clears throat> I played the ghost of Hamlet's father. Oh, I, I was all rigged up with smoke machines under this gauzy gown and uh, floated around the stage. And I never opened my mouth because he did all the voiceover of his father. Oh. Uh, and then I played Osric um, uh, in your in your uh, classic uh, in your classic uh, uh, homosexual way, uh, right. and uh, yeah, you have to. And then um, uh, yeah, and so that's and Ellis Ellis. I became a fan of his, and he became a fan of mine. And and he he would um, he would like take me places to. Uh, just um, witness what the world of the theater was like. You know, we'd go to we'd go to Bernstein's house and hang there for an evening with uh, uh, him and uh, the great ballet dancers of the time, and uh, we'd just sit and and uh, chat. And um, I don't know if I did much chatting. I was more like a fly on the wall for most of those little outings with Ellis, but. Uh, no, Ellis and I uh, stayed friends um, throughout his whole life, and uh, uh, I think that he was a, a true sort of theatrical genius, um, and uh, uh, was um, was certainly just a good friend, and um, introduced me to an awful lot of what the theater was like in New York in the late. 60s and um and probably if if i hadn't have had that relationship with ellis well i didn't i wouldn't i because then the apa phoenix broke up and it became just phoenix and then i did uh uh they was it they knew what they wanted or, yeah yeah and then i did a production of they knew what they wanted i was part of their uh ensemble uh and uh, uh and i was lucky enough to get it Tony nomination for best supporting actor for for that and so yeah. it was it was uh, it was he's a very important man in my life and um, uh, it probably if I if he hadn't entered my life I wouldn't have been so enthusiastic about being on stage and 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 uh, and learning the craft that way so he like you like you said he introduces you to the world of theater in the 1960s and he's so supportive of you were your parents supportive of you going into this career path oh yeah they my my i think my mother was in like little community theater in San Francisco. And my father was a stage manager for some little productions in San Francisco. And so they, they had this, they had the, the bug, but you know, they were, they were, they couldn't pursue it because they had children. And then my father was a banker for a while. And then, a, and then he became a, uh, uh, the vice president of the uh, of an industrial development business in in San Mateo County, and um, so, uh, but but he was a great speech maker. So I learned a lot. I, I think he would have uh, he he enjoyed everything I did. He would come to New York, and my mother would come to New York and see me and things, and uh, be very encouraging. Except for the night that Greece opened. Uh, my father was there for the opening night of Greece, and uh, we went to Sardi's afterwards. And the the reviews started coming in, and they were mixed. And uh, we got a little drunk. And as we were going back to my loft down the Bowery, uh, my father said, "You know, this will never last. Well, you got to find another job. Oh. This isn't going to go anywhere." So um, I, I held that over his head, you know, as we became the longest running show on Broadway <laughs> and saying to him, you don't know what the hell you're talking about theatrically. <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, but uh, he um, uh, no, he both he, both my parents were very, very supportive. And, 
you know, they helped me through school. I got just a little bit of a, of a scholarship, but they paid for the rest of it. And, you know, every time I would do a little college production in San Diego, they would drive down from the oh. Bay area. And, um, I, I had to, I did not have to fight them one bit, uh, mm. to, to pursue what I wanted to pursue. Now, you know, you mentioned Danny and Greece, but before we get to that, Kevin, do you want to ask about soon and shelter? Yeah, I, I, I'm really fascinated by some of these pop musicals from the early 70s, 1971 to be uh, for this one. Uh, this was a, a musical, a pop opera that uh, soon I'm talking about specifically that was uh, Louis St. Louis wrote it and Nell Carter was in there with you, Peter Allen. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? Do you remember this this show? I don't, I don't remember that Louis. I don't think Louis St. Louis wrote it. Uh, I did he uh, soon. Oh, maybe not. It, it maybe was, he was. No, it was that was a show with Richard Gere and myself yep. and the drummer from The Loving Spoonful. And uh, we played a sort of like uh, a Beatles like group that came together, became big stars mm-hmm. and then dissolved. And, uh, uh, you know, it was like soon. Oh, Peter Allen was in it. He was great. He had one good, great song. Um, but uh, the other people you mentioned. Yeah, it was it was with a bunch of almost their Broadway singers uh, who, um, uh, you know, just performed the hell out of the show. Unfortunately, I took over from the guy who wrote it like a week before they opened. And um, so I had very little, uh, very little rehearsal time. In fact, the the guitar player uh, in that, who was in the band, was also the guitar player in Greece. And he said he didn't even remember me in the show. So that shows you <laughs> Jesus. that shows you how either short the show was or oh, how yes. sucky I was in it. We're gonna say how short the show was. It was a short run. Yeah, it was a I very think. short run. What was it? Now, two nights, three nights? Yeah, I think three. three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did a show called Nick and Nora back in the early nineties. And oh yeah. You know, you spend so much time uh, rehearsing and changing and this and that, and then all for rehearsal pay. And then you go, okay, when this opens, boy, I'm going to be able to pay my rent. And uh, with soon, it closed too soon. You know, it closed two days after we opened. So basically we were all working for nothing. And the same thing with Nick and Nora. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but it was the same situation where we previewed for two months i think and by the time we opened we opened for 10 days and i think i got one full paycheck out of it and oh my god you know it cost me money you know it cost me money because i had rented an apartment in new york i had a house in la and uh nick and Nora was the last show that you did on broadway and was one of the reasons not to return because of that because it's such a large you know time investment with with very little financial return yeah i think one of them and the, the other one was uh um, uh, I, I, um, my manager actually pushed me into doing that. She, her name was Lois Zetter and she had been in a production of, um, uh, something on Broadway. And, uh, I think she was a frustrated actress and now she was a manager and <clears throat> she wanted me to do this show. I, I really didn't want to do it. I, as I knew it was going to be such a life upheaval of having to move to New York and this and that. And, uh, but I agreed to do it. I, I agreed to audition and then I got the part and then, um, and then it, it just, and then as I got the, when we got the part, they still didn't have all their money. So we had to do a, uh, uh, sort of a workshoppy kind of backers audition for it. And I remember that we, we did all the rehearsals for the backers audition and in between that and when we actually did the audition, I was um, uh, doing a mini series or something in Australia. And I went up to Bali uh, for a vacation or just to sort of hang out for a little while with a friend. And when I came back to New York, all of a sudden I got very sick. And um, uh, where was I at the Warwick, the old Warwick Hotel? Mm. I remember I was throw, throwing up in front of the of the of the uh, uh, the lifts, you know, the elevators, oh, wow. and, I, yeah. and I remember, oh God, there's something wrong. This isn't quite right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I went to I went they they I got to the hospital and they 
they finally discovered I had malaria and, um, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, so I couldn't do the backers audition and, uh, they were so pissed off at me. They think they thought that, Oh, I was, you know, being careless and reckless and, and, and I had uh, screwed up their whole thing. And, um, uh, but um, they they finally found some money, and then they lost some money, and then they found some money. It was one of those deals, and um, uh, and they couldn't afford to go out of town, mm. so we we did all of our previews in town. Um, and uh, you know that, that that's a horrendous process. You're rehearsing every day, you're performing at night, and at night you're doing something different than you did the night before, and it's a uh, um, uh, it, it was, it was very stressful and, um, uh, I didn't enjoy the process one bit. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, and I also thought that uh, the show was going in the wrong direction, um, from, from the get go. It, uh, it didn't have the charm that Nick and Nora should have had. It, it became this sort of dark murder mystery, um, a very convoluted uh, uh, story that um, uh, I, to this day, still don't know who did it. Um, and uh, I, uh, but, uh, and it was, it was a very, it was a hard show to do. So let me, let me ask you though, when you're in a, in a rehearsal situation like that and you, and you can feel this is going in the wrong direction, do you speak up? Do you, do you talk to the director and say, Hey, listen, I'm uncomfortable with this. Or do you just try to be a good soldier and and not 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 in your wheelhouse, not not in your line of duty? No, I tried. I tried talking with uh, who was the director on that? It was uh, Arthur uh, Lawrence? Oh yeah, Arthur Lawrence. What? Yeah. what yes, Arthur Lawrence. I'm probably I I will fall into the category of uh, uh, not a huge fan of Arthur Lawrence. Um, I think you're. It's you're, a very popular. Uh, you're in a popular club there from people. Yeah, yeah, to. that's what I think, and uh, yeah. so. Uh, I remember way back in the beginning, me just doing whole character analysis and writing these long things to him. And how about if we tried this? And well, he didn't listen to any of it, just basically threw it away. And so I, I realized early on that I was going to have no input into this and I was just going to be his stooge. Mm. And in fact, I was and, and in fact, I, I don't know why I, he should have fired me and I, it would have been a blessing. Uh, uh, Joe Mantegna was, uh, I think he was, he and I were up for the same part and I saw him a couple of years ago. I said, God damn it. Why didn't you get the part? You know, <laughs> you would, you would have been great, you know, cause he had that sort of more straight thing going. And, uh, uh, and he said it was a blessing that I got the part. <laughs> so, uh, it, uh, it, 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 it was not a great time. I let's put it this way. I was so not so happy with the whole thing that on a closing night, just to give the finger to Arthur, unfortunately, I, I, you know, I would, I, I organized the closing night party at Joe Allen's and I presented and we presented Joe Allen's with a poster from the show. And because it was a closing night party, Arthur and all the producers who I quite liked had to show up and, and and just sort of dig their nose into the loss of five or six million, or a, it was the biggest loss at the time of any show yeah. on Broadway. But I was so pissed off at, at Arthur and at the way he was treating people, not just me, but he treated everybody uh, except for Joanna. Uh, he he was a, she was his you know muse, as I said. Uh, but uh, he had the tendency to to tear somebody down in a rehearsal or in a performance and then, and then the next three days build them back up again. Mm. But it just in a very sort of mean spirited way. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm a nice guy and I, I just don't like to see other people uh, abused like that. Yes. And I think he was true abuser uh, of his, and also he didn't listen to anybody. I mean, we would hear stories of him going out with Hal uh, and uh, and uh, Steve, all those people. They would go out and have dinner afterwards, and they would say, "Well, you know, uh, Arthur, th- this should really be like this, this, and this." And Arthur would never take anybody's anybody's advice. It would, this was going to be his show. It was going to be 
because he'd always been like a part of every other show, either the writer or, or you know, or the producer. Right. Or but he, this was going to be his show, soup to nuts. And he was going to, it was going to, and he just, because he was, of his ego, uh, he lost an awful lot of money and pissed off an awful lot of people. And I got back in him. It's Joe Allen's on closing night. <laughs> yeah. What do you look for out of a director? Uh, kindness, talent, uh, uh, a vision <clears throat> of the whole, um, and uh, patience, and uh, uh, somebody who, um, somebody who, and for me, allows me to do something different in every rehearsal, and then remind me of the best thing that I did. It could have been two weeks ago. It could have been yesterday in terms of a choice that I was making, because I have a tendency to make too many choices and I keep, because I get sort of bored and I, uh, um, and I, and, and I'm always like searching for what I think is the best, the best thing, the yeah. best choice. Yeah. And, um, uh, and uh, uh, so I will circle I will circle what the right thing is many times for weeks on end. And, um, uh, and eventually uh, the director will, uh, uh, you know, steer me in the right direction. And that, and that, I, that's what I need. I need somebody who gives me free range to explore and then, and then goes, well, you remember last Tuesday when you did it this way, I think that's the best choice. And I would go, Oh yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, you're right. And then mm-hmm. now, what's your what is your your acting process in terms of you know prepping for a role? Do you like to do a lot of work beforehand? Do you like to go into the rehearsal and and trust your gut instincts? What's your process? I came out of a college situation where you learned how to break down your character and write you know write backstories and you know well where was he before the scene? Where is he going? Where is he coming from? What does he want? What does he need? You know, all of that stuff. And I used to do all that in the beginning. And like I said, with, with Arthur, I did all of that and I wrote it out and I, you know, and, and, and then he totally rejected it or maybe it was sucked. I don't know, but he rejected it. And um, uh, and now I think a lot of that process is just sort of built in. I have a feeling that I I don't need I I just have an instinct for for creating or just being a character. Um, yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to come up with every uh, nuance of, of who he is. Uh, it's just sort of there. Uh, I just sort of trust the process, but um, I'll still, I'll still, you know, write, uh, write out and, and explore. Uh, if the character can go in so many different directions, if it mm. could be, mm. you know, and I have to sort of choose, you know what what the main thrust of him yeah. is more specifics yeah, yeah I, and I can be more specific that way but uh you know I do a lot of television and I do a lot of things where I'm basically just being myself and mm. the, uh, the 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 challenge is uh the challenge is to to try like going back to Ellis Rab don't do anything anything just be yourself just yeah. stand there just yeah. trust that you are enough and uh i think that is the hardest lesson that any actor you know uh, has to practice um um but when you look at when you look at the movie stars and people who are historically i mean you know from harrison ford on back you know they they, they don't attempt to create anything other than just themselves comfortable with the material. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know I, hate, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you anyway, who are some of the scene partners that you've had that have just, you know, really excited you that if you could work with them forever and ever, you absolutely would living or dead. I think the best actress I've ever worked with was Patty Duke. Uh, she played, uh, you know, Martha Washington and I played George Washington yeah. in this long mini series. And, Patty or Anna, and I could never call her Anna. Everybody called her Anna because that was, I don't know if that was her real name or something. I just, I just knew her from her television show. So she was always Patty to me, but, Mm -hmm. uh, she, uh, 
there was never any semblance of acting with her. And she made you be as genuine and as real and as calm and as focused as she was. But you never saw that she was doing anything other than just being herself and being available and and giving to you as another human being. And so uh, it was, uh, I don't know, she, that was the best, that was probably one of the best, uh, if not the best experiences I've ever had with a, with an actress um, uh, only because uh, she just, she just made me better. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was that was, uh, and it was it was a hard it was a hard job because it, the dialogue was sometimes very stilted and sort of historically correct mm. and and this and that and so it, she brought a she brought a humanity to her character which in 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 turn forced a humanity out of uh, out of George Washington and me playing George Washington. Mm. Uh, which I think carried through um, the whole miniseries because that's how it was seen that it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, one of the first times that we saw George Washington as a, as a man, as opposed to just an icon. Yeah. Right. And, and for our listeners who haven't seen it, uh, we encourage you to, to seek it out because it's really brilliant performances from both uh, Mr. Boswick and, and Miss Duke. Really fantastic. Hello, this is Betty Davis, not the young one, the old one. I've been on Matches.com looking for a gentleman who might like to date an actress who loves to smoke and who had a black and white career. And I thought, why am I wasting my money on this when I could merely donate it to those boys at Behind the Curtain? Go to Patreon.com and give all you can. God knows they need it. And do it before you're 122 years old. That's Patreon. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What was that experience like putting Grease together? Did you know creating it that it was going to be this this massive hit? No, no, we did. No, we never. No, we were just trying to pay our rent. You know, we, we, I mean, we knew that it was something that hadn't been really done before, you know, the fifties hadn't really been explored on stage a lot. Maybe one, you know, one song here or there, you know, uh, uh, like, uh, 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 Oh, one last kiss. So oh, give me one last kiss, you know, uh, yeah. from, yep. uh, you know, there'd be one song that would be, a. a, a retro and uh, but to, to do a whole sort of tongue-in-cheek 50s thing hadn't really been done before and because um, it was before happy days it was yeah. before our, all of those things but now you're in a, in, a, in a hit show so now you know you've you've done a couple of these other shows before that weren't long-running hits by any means but now you're you're i mean for not knowing that it was going to turn into this big big huge sensation i mean what was that like to ride that wave it must have been a really thrilling time especially to be with with such a family of young people and you know hanging out all the time i mean it's a good time to be in new york city 
But yeah, yeah, it was. Um, um, let me think. What was it like? How many years ago was it? First of all, 50 years? Ago? So is it 50 yeah. already? You know, and, and yeah. in the 70s, you know, New York was Getting like, there. Times Square area was kind of dangerous. I mean, it was, people talk about that it was a really gritty, really uh, dangerous, you know, kind of scary place for some people. Um, but, uh, and that, that includes the, the Broadway area. I mean, people would have to walk in pairs. Some, you know, guests have told us before that it was, you know, a little yeah, yeah. seedy. But that, was, but, that's, but, but that was one of the appeals to me, you you know, certainly to hmm. uh, to walk down Forty uh, Second Street and uh, and feel like your life was in danger. You know, uh, and then to uh, slip into some club and uh, and then slip out of it, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. anonymously. Uh, <laughs> uh, the um, but no, it was. Uh, but but again, that was the time that when you were doing a show like Greece and you were playing these guys that were part of a part of a gang even though the gang was a little cotton candy i mean it wasn't it wasn't like the gang that when greece was done in chicago in the basement of a church where uh it was really about a gang i mean yeah and and a lot of these guys in who were portrayed in greece were real people uh uh, Jim Jacobs and uh, they they were part of this gang in Chicago and so they wrote this show about their experiences and then just heightened it with mm. you know with uh, all of that you know Greece is going to be a show that outlives everybody <laughs> you know it's going to be around for years and years and years and years what advice do you have to people that are going to take on the role of Danny Zuko at some point it's a difficult show because it's it can be so overplayed and so overdone and so charactery, charactery, whatever that word, is. Um, and uh, and it uh, uh, and people, you have to be you. It's at the heart of it. There's a genuineness mm. and there's a sweetness uh, to these characters and. Um, and they're all just sort of blustery, and uh, uh, but they are basically 16, 17 year old kids, you know, with huge egos and uh, a lot of potential, and uh, but are just blowing a lot, uh, blowing a lot of steam off. And uh, but underneath it all, they're just sweet young kids, you know. Mm. And I've always wanted to see a production of Greece with 15 year olds. Just not trying to be the adults playing right. fifteen yeah. year olds, but but just but but with that, uh, I don't know, with that with that sweetness uh, underneath yeah. it all. I mean, like uh, John uh, Travolta in the movie. I mean, he captured an awful lot of that sweetness in his character. That uh, mm -hmm. and um, uh, you know, he was in the touring company with me, uh, the first national mm -hmm. tour for a while, and he played duty. Uh, so he was, you know, he, 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 he got it. And also he's, he's such a sweet guy. I mean, he got that, uh, that thing, you know, yeah. that, that I think that, that it requires. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, and, and I don't know, there's just a, there, there's just a sweetness to it that mm -hmm. you can't just be all, Oh, Hey man, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. gotta be, you got to see underneath all of that bravado. Uh, yeah. uh, I've seen many productions of it over the years, and and as it was revived on Broadway and revived on Broadway, it just got glitzier and glitzier. And then they'd start adding music from the movie, and then they'd mm -hmm. start adding music from the pop charts. You know, and yeah. uh, it just it, it it in their attempt to, uh, to to bring it up to date and to make it even big enough for a Broadway stage, you know, they, they, they lost the core, the sweetness and the core of those kids just trying to grow up in a, in a, yeah. at a weird time, you know, so and um, if we can find a production that can return to that innocence, that's underneath the surface of the show, we might have something interesting. Yeah. Don't you think so? I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. We, I think Kevin and I, we were talking about that at one point, which is, it just seems to have morphed into this very large, like theme park type entity over the years. And it'll be nice to go back to it, to its roots. Um, 
I wanted to ask you, you know, before uh, you you did the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is also another iconic thing from the from this era, had you done a lot of on camera work? No, I did a lot of commercials in New York when I was starting out. What, um, what did you I, sell? I, I, <laughs> Uh, oh God! I sold soaps and shampoos, and I sold. I was one of the ring around the collar guys at oh. one point. Uh, I, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was played a. Uh, you know, I was. Um, uh, yeah, I. I made a living like a lot of uh, young actors did. You know, I spent a lot of time auditioning for commercials and doing commercials, and I sort of learned. That's how I learned how to to do camera or or mm. be a little more comfortable in front of a camera with just doing commercials and um uh because there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of film going on at the time in in new york um how did you know, rocky horror come about what? then how did how did you get the audition for rocky horror well i didn't audition for it they just they just gave it to me because <laughs> i had had a history of uh musical theater and so yeah um, and the the guy who cast it, Joel Thurm, uh, in L.A., uh, he was a, a close friend with my manager, and he had this idea that Susan and I would be great together as the young American couple, um, the quintessential young American couple. And yeah. so he had us, he had us just come to the theater uh, and meet. Uh, the creators and, and, and just talk with them. And I don't ever remember singing or anything. Uh, I think Susan says that she had to sing the birthday or something, but I, I think that's a wife's tale. I, I don't think she had to sing anything. Um, and uh, I'm under the impression that 20th century Fox pushed us on these people. And uh, because they, they wanted uh, some, uh, real Americans in it because in in London where it was done the Americans were played by Brits and uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, so it, uh, it 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 was you know and Meatloaf I think was the only other but Meatloaf had done it on stage in L.A. Uh, mm -hmm. but Susan and I had never done it before so um, we were fresh we were like fresh meat just like in the movie you know yeah. we showed up and we showed up in London went right into uh, pre-record uh, rehearsals and just started uh, filming. And it was a very short four week shoot, I think. And oh, wow. um, it was, uh, uh, it was just, you know, we didn't really have time to, to, uh, to, to fraternize with anybody. Uh, we didn't get to know many men, didn't get to know them very well because we were living in London and at, uh, and, and we were, um, uh, having to transport to Windsor about an hour and a half outside of London wow. every morning at six o'clock in the morning and then go back to London and then get wake up early and go, you know, it was, yeah. it was a yeah. hard, oh, it was, it a was a work. Hard, yeah, it was work. It was a hard job. It wasn't, it, 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 it looks like it was a lot of fun, but uh, I was wet the whole time. Time and uh, it was cold, cold too wasn't it really cold yeah yeah it was right before christmas and mm. uh we were <laughs> shooting in a castle house thing that, that half the roof was gone so it was raining down on us and uh there was no toilets on the sounds this little one sound stage and uh the pool was freezing and i, I you know i i I, I wish I remembered more of the good times. <laughs> I just remember how hard it was. Yes. You know, I just remembered, I just remembered how, how, even though it, I, I mean, I was honored to be part of what I thought was a very creative group of, 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 of British artists at the time who were, um, you know, a lot of them came from Jesus Christ superstar, you know, uh, and they were, they were, I think, a lot of them were starting out or just in the beginning of their careers, whether it was the, uh, the, the, the film, whether it was the DP or the editor mm -hmm. or, uh, or, or a lot of the actors, you know, in it, uh, it was, um, it was an exciting time because I knew I was surrounded by talent, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and, and that makes a huge difference. Do you think your participation in that film opened doors for you or did it close any doors for you later on? I don't think it did anything other than right now, later on, I've, uh, I do a lot of web series and, and small indie features where the director will say, 
you know, I was such a huge Rocky Horror fan. And I've had people give me jobs because I think they just wanted me to tell them stories about Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh wow! Uh, and, <laughs> and I would say, and I would say to them, uh, pretty soon into the job, I would say, I don't remember goddamn thing. So, you know, <laughs> you're you're going to have to just take me as I am. Um, but uh, uh, no, I, there's a lot of young directors or directors now who were influenced by that movie by by the style and the color and the the tone of that, of that movie. And it, um, uh, I think it's a, you know, I think it's a brilliant film. So I'm, yep. I'm a big fan of it. And I, I do all I can to keep it alive with the shadow casts around the world. And I'll do mm. one nighters and I'll go out and I'll introduce the film. And, uh, I've gotten to know a lot of the kids who are the shadow cast people, uh, a guy named Larry Vizel, who's the head of the fan club now and has a cast and, <laughs> in uh in uh, new jersey and uh he and i will go out and do uh one-nighters you know around the halloween time the last couple mm-hmm. of years where we'll go to a theater uh like the like a theater uh in albany or something and we'll yeah we'll, they'll still pull in a thousand kids you know or people um and uh and i'll introduce the film and there'll be a shadow cast and it'll be a whole evening and you know they'll sell their prop bags and people will throw shit at me and you know that's it you know that's that's what's fun i, I just did a couple of weeks ago i just did a a, a tour of of uh, drive-ins uh, <laughs> uh where i would go and and we would do the show in a drive-in uh, uh like in phoenix and tucson and up on the east coast i did three or four yeah and uh it was it, it, it and i did it almost more so that I could keep those casts alive because they haven't the the shadow casts you know haven't done anything since the beginning right, of the year right. and uh, there a lot of their theaters where they would normally do their show uh, have either closed or certainly people weren't going to the theaters because they were closed but but a lot of the actual venues had closed down because of the uh, the lack of business and so they were all scrambling for some place to do the show. Um, and, uh, uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm to that group. I'm like uncle Barry and I'm, (laughs) and and I'm, uh, I, I love it. It's so nice to hear that. I have to ask you if I can about another movie very quickly, uh, just because I think this person is such a legend, but you got to do movie movie with George C. Scott, um, Mm -hmm. a, a Titan of, of just about all mediums. What was it like working with him? Well, the first day I worked with him, I think I was doing the scene where I was dancing on the desk. And I remember that he uh, he went up in his lines on his close up or something. And and I thought, oh, my God, I think he probably did it just to make me feel comfortable. And then I think I realized later that he was just drunk. Um <laughs> And uh, <laughs> we've right. heard that. We've heard that. Right. Yeah. No, I think I think that because uh, he and he and um, uh, you know some of his cronies who would go out at din- at lunch, and they had to get their they had to really get their work done in the morning because they knew when they came back they were going to be happy uh, and they were going to be. Uh, 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 and I didn't know any of this at the time. I found all this out later, but. Uh, no, he was very supportive of me. And once again, for our listeners, if you've never seen it, we encourage you to please uh, seek out a copy because it's it's really fantastic. Um, Stanley Stanley Donan movie. Stanley Donan. Yes, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's called Movie Movie, and it's out on it's out it's out on DVD or something. I don't think it's Blu-ray yet or anything, but uh, uh, it's just a tongue-in-cheek. It's I, my whole career is tongue-in-cheek. I, my my <laughs> tongue is yeah. probably. It's probably stuck in my cheek, you know, will be forever because I, I, I like to send up what people would normally think somebody like me looks like or acts mm-hmm. like or, yeah. or am, you know. And so I, you'll notice a lot of the work I do or what the, a lot of the work that's offered me is is me, you know, whether it's the Pirates of Penzance, you know, I did the West Coast production of that. Yeah. And, and again, it's sort of... Uh, you know the sort of stuck up uh, swagger, maniac- yeah. yeah, swagger, swagger. And, uh, but 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 not, but he's he's sort of aware of his swagger. You know, totally. it's not like 
and 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 those are the characters I love to do. I love that sort of uh, uh, twinkle glint. Uh, have you have you ever turned down anything that later on you were like, ah, why did I do that? I oh, should, I don't I turn. I, I don't turn anything down. <laughs> I, I don't. I no, unless it's uh, unless it's just filthy, uh, uh, and uh, and even then, I'll I'll think twice about doing it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the right attitude. I, ever, I like that. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, you know, if it. Uh, do you like I, auditioning? Do you like auditioning? Yeah, yeah, I like auditioning. I uh, I think uh, all this auditioning at home stuff uh, is uh, is is a bit daunting because of all of the equipment that I haven't been mm-hmm. able to figure out yet. Um, but um, uh, yeah, no, I I like auditioning. You know, it's it gives you a, a night or two to to really think about how you're going to, you know do a character as opposed to just sh- getting the job and showing up the first day. And, mm. uh, I, I, you know, a lot of the times I'm, I wonder why I'm auditioning. I think, mm. you know, I, I think that, uh, they should, uh, when you finally reach my age, there's, there's a handful of us who do yeah, television not, things. Yes. Yeah. You know, they should know, Yes. Uh, what we look like and sound like, because we do so much work, contemporary work you know like whether it's a a lifetime movie or a hallmark movie or an episode of will and grace or something um uh that if they really wanted to see who we were and the fact that we maybe hadn't put on 50 pounds uh uh you know we're it's easily gettable and uh uh, so you know sometimes i think the the auditioning is is a huge uh, waste of time uh uh, right now, when you're sort of known, I mean, I, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't think I the body of think work that, is there. Yeah, I wouldn't think that Kevin uh, Klein has to audition a lot unless it's something that he feels is a real stretch for him. And right. uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm not putting myself in the same category as Kevin Klein, but you know, we started out together in New York doing similar parts and sort of exchanging. You know, uh, he did the original Robert Bridegroom with the acting company, and then I did the Broadway production. Um, And uh, uh, but we had we have a similar kind of joie de vie, you know. And uh, uh, so, I I, yeah, I mean, I will I will go the distance if I'm auditioning for something that uh, I'm not normally known for, or not normally they don't see me as that character, you know. your performance in the robber bridegroom, oh. um, which is just incredible, just just incredible. Um, how did you? How did that show come into your orbit, and and did you like doing it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, that was one of those shows that it had already been done in the acting company, and they were just wanted to heighten it and bring it to Broadway. So we started it in L.A. Uh, at the theater at a theater in L.A. at uh, and. Uh, I don't remember. I think they just offered me the part. Um, I don't remember. But uh, uh, was that after? That, that was after Greece, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It was after Greece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so, uh, yeah, no, Greece gave me an awful lot of legitimacy. And I was getting a lot of things just because they knew me from Greece and I had been nominated for, for a Tony for that. Uh, and um, uh, and I was just part of that handful of Broadway young leading men, you know. Um, but yeah. uh, the Robber Bridegroom was um, uh, it was an interesting, very interesting show. It was it was different. It was unusual. It was that's what I think I was attracted me to it. The music was just you know bluegrass music with four guys on stage uh the, the it wasn't a typical rogers and hammerstein you know big oklahoma but uh it was yeah it was something it was something again tongue in cheek something that was uh uh, uh I, don't, I don't know just just different and and i like greece was different that different a lot of the things i done have just I'm attracted to its differences. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, when we come back from the pandemic, would you like to get back on stage again? 
No, I don't care to ever be on stage again. Great, great. I, I love I, the I, honesty. Thank you. No, I just, uh, I think Arthur Lawrence just uh, oh, blew it for me. Oh, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I say that, I say that tongue in cheek again, but I really, um, uh, to me, stage, I mean, I do readings of things. Sure. You know, I'll still, I'll still do stage things like stage readings. I did a, production of uh, uh, Camelot a couple of years yeah, ago, yeah, raising, yeah. raising money for something or whatever. Sure. Uh, and it, um, uh, I don't want to learn all those lines, number one. Yeah, no, no. And number two, I don't want to have to remember them all. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, I can learn them. I'll learn them. I'll do it once. And then I'll get bored by the third time, you know. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it, it, it's like, it's it's just attention deficit. I think it's like uh, I'm I'm I, I can focus, but then it's just like, well, why? Why am I spending all this time to you know just entertain three hundred people who half of them don't want to be there because they were dragged there by their wife? <laughs> you know? uh, and uh, it's I like, hear you. I don't need I don't need that ego rush anymore. I don't need to be down in one, you know, singing "I Had a Dream." Yeah. <laughs> I just I I've uh, I, I I'm I'm over that. I I like I like the nuance and the subtlety now. Of trying to come up with a character with just a, you know, with just a glint in your eye or just yes, yeah, I love small, that a small movement of. Uh, of uh, some kind of a gesture or uh, coming up with a master gesture for a character uh, or, you know, find a prop that is so right for somebody and then using it, uh, uh, using it uh, judiciously. And I, um, love that. I don't know, I guess I'm not that desperate for, for attention uh, anymore. I've uh, been married that. for, I've been married for 26 years and I get a mm. lot of it attention at home i've got two kids in college and uh well there's another thing when you have kids in college you can't work on stage right because you oh, don't yeah. make any money so my kids uh you know would be uh uh you know uh, hustling food at mcdonald's if i if i did everything just on stage now so i mean it's a very practical it's also a very practical uh, decision um, Absolutely. You have to keep a roof over your head. You have to mm-hmm. keep a roof over your head and you know yourself well enough to know what you want to spend your time yeah. doing. And there's nothing better than that. Well, there you go. There's the whole interview right there. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And our last, que- our last question for you, Barry, then we're going to let you go. Um, so now that you've had this, uh, this ama- amazing decades of experience, let's imagine, you know, coming into New York for the first time when you, when you don't, were in your, when don't, you're, don't, 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 don't stay out of show business. Come on, listen to me. Come on, become an accountant. You know, do something, do something that you can actually make a living at. Why do you want to put yourself, and particularly if you're a young woman, oh my God, stay away, stay away. Okay, now you want a real answer? I, <laughs> that sounded as real as it could get. What's your uh, real answer? What's your real answer? What's the question again? <laughs> it was actually very similar. What would you tell your younger self? Like, what do you know now that you wished you had known then before you started? Well, my younger self, not other people, but me? No, no, me. I would say go for 100%. The Because uh, uh, you, you you need the ad- adulation and uh, you need... You need the you, you're a driven uh, 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 attention whore, and what you need is is to continue that way and get to the point where um, you are satiated in some way, shape, or form, and then you can move on with your life. But uh, uh, right now, go hundred percent, and 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 don't have a back, don't have a, a drop back position you know that that's what I, I i always say to people i say you know if you want it you got to go 100 percent, and don't all of a sudden you know get your teaching credentials thinking that you can now go back and teach it at some private school in pennsylvania you know you have to give yourself a certain amount of time bank some some money uh and uh and 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 go do it i i'm i don't know how anybody does it these days i mean i I, uh, and particularly now, I mean, look at all those poor kids who graduated from college and got master's degrees and this and that, 
showed up in New York in, uh, you know, in January and maybe got their first job or didn't even get a job. And, uh, and now they have had to sit there for a whole year, eating up their savings, whatever savings they had. Uh, and now they can't even work at a restaurant because the restaurants are closed. So yeah. Jesus, go home, yes. you know, <laughs> grow corn, do something that, 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 you know, I think that's that's my advice. Grow corn. Bro, that's a, that's <laughs> the that's that's subtitle for this thing. podcast. Yeah, grow, grow corn. Grow corn with Barry Bostrick. Barry, that's this right. this has been such a pleasure. I cannot tell you how oh much we God. appreciate you taking your time out to talk to us. Sure. And thank you so much for also all the wonderful, wonderful things that you've given us on theater and film and television. It's just been an absolute honor getting to speak to you. Thank, thank you. you, Take Barry. care, Barry. Take care. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And a big thanks to the punchy players, Jeff Marquis, who is bringing back Lucy, Betty, Judy, and Morda shill for us. And a big thanks to our sound editor, Daniel Schwartzberg, and social media manager, Bethany Ann Selecki. And don't forget, we want more folks to hear these incredible stories, and that's where you come in. In order for people to find out about us, we need lots of ratings on iTunes. So head on over to iTunes, search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, click on our logo, click on ratings and reviews, then write a review and leave us five stars and make us feel as special as Eliza Doolittle on Eliza Doolittle Day. Or you can leave us just one star and you can make us feel as baddie, baddie, bad as Annie did in that really weird production in Boston where Annie dreamt that she was being adopted, but then she ended up back where in the orphanage, right? Back where she started. Yeah, true story. Rob saw it. Yes, and it was Batty. It was bizarre. I was there. I was. Oh, God. So head on over to iTunes and make us feel even more special than we already do. Patrick Flynn. What? Beth Amon. I hate this movie. Love Actually? Yes. Me too. But I also love it. Me too. But I hate it. You know what we should do? What? We should get a bunch of people together, split the movie into its 10 storylines, and then figure out this movie one story at a time. You mean people like Keith Powell and Jill Knox Powell from NBC's Connecting? Keith, why don't you show us what porn watching faces? And Washington Post columnist Alexandra Petri? I don't know. I think every Christmas story is a horror story. Do you think it would work? It actually inspired me to plan my funeral. I dig the uh, brothel angle. Every time I think about the trailer, I'm like, I was misled. I love your use of the word shag, by the way. Can I mix your ashes with glitter? It's like eight half screenplays just put in a blender. I am positive I stayed with my ex an extra six months because we saw this in the theater. It will definitely work. What is Love Actually? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download. All episodes out November 27th. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.